Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6, and reading for our text, verse 33. Verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What is upon my spirit this morning is that God is a God of order and he directs us in that which we need to put first. First things first. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. In the previous verses, our Lord made mention of Solomon. In verse 29, Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like the lilies of the field. And we read of where Solomon became king over Israel and Judah. And the Lord appeared to him in a dream by night and God asked said to him ask what I shall give thee and Solomon he asked for wisdom he asked according to the greatness of the kingdom that was before him it was so impressed upon him what a responsibility what a great thing was before him and that weighed above everything else. And so he asked for wisdom. He asked for that help to be able to discern between good and bad and to be given the wisdom to govern that people. And we read that the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thy enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment, behold, I have done according to thy words, lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And then we read this, And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honour, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto all thy days. It's in 1 Kings and chapter 3. And the Lord then promised him and gave him what he had not asked. And we have in our text, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The things that have been mentioned before, the raiment, the riches, the things that the Gentiles of the world go after, the Lord says, Put ye the priority on the kingdom of God, 
and his righteousness and these other things shall still be given thee, just the same as it was with Solomon. With Solomon, he had a real sense of what was before him. And I wonder how much do we have a real sense of the worth of our soul, the shortness of time, the greatness of the kingdom of God and of being part of that kingdom and to have not our own righteousness but Christ's righteousness, God's righteousness, God's provision for us. How much do we really realise that so that we like Solomon seek that first Seek the good of our souls, seek that eternal kingdom first and are able to lay aside these other things. The Apostle Paul, he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus. It's a solemn thing if we go through the year and we are so filled with the things of time and sense which shall be taken away in a moment, and we neglect our souls, we neglect the kingdom of God. And so may the Lord help us to view this word before us this morning and lay aside those things that would detract and take us away from the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But let us seek that first. And so I want to look in our thoughts in three ways. Firstly, a God of order bids us to put first things first. God is a God of order and in our text he says, seek ye first. And then secondly, what the kingdom of God is and how we are to seek it. Because our text bids us to seek this, to seek the kingdom of God. We need to know what it is to be able to seek it, and we need to know how to seek it. And then lastly, what God's righteousness is, and how we are to seek that. Because we are told in our text as well, is not just seeking the kingdom of God, but it is and his righteousness. We are to seek that as well and so then how is it that we are to seek that but firstly we have a God of order and he is the one that bids us to seek first right from the very beginning of the word of God we have God set before us as a God of order in the first uh, chapter of Genesis, we have the creation account. And God there gives a very clear pattern of order. First, he makes a place for the planets and uh, the heavens. Then he makes a place for the fishes and the birds of the air. And then he makes a place, earth, that he is going to put man in. In the first three days, he is making these places and they avoid, as it were, of anything in them, but they are places. And then he comes 
in the fourth and fifth and sixth day and he takes the heavens and he puts in them the sun, the moon and the stars and he takes the sky and the seas and he puts the fishes in the seas and the birds of the air in the air and then he takes the earth and he puts the beast in the earth a man, not only in the earth but in a garden that has already been prepared for him. And there is all of that order. He doesn't uh, put man on a waste-howling wilderness and then makes it. He prepares it first. And we have that repeated with Canaan, with the children of Israel going to Canaan. Canaan is the promised land and the Lord said they would not need to build houses or vineyards. It was all done for them. And in heaven the Lord says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And again, it's a prepared place for a prepared people. And so God is a God of order in that way. We see in the very beginning of this book, the Gospel according to Matthew, and we have the line traced from Abraham uh, right through uh, to David and from David to the carrying away into Babylon and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ. And we have 14 generations in each of those uh, parts of history. And we cannot but be impressed upon the order that God makes and puts in right over the table of history. And those things that the Lord does, he does in an orderly way. In the churches, it is the word of the apostle uh, that everything might be done decently and in order. When it was in the times of the sacrifices, the Old Testament, when they built the altars, we think of Elijah on Mount Carmel and as he built the altar he uh, did everything in order the twelve stones according to the tribes of Israel and then set the wood in order and then the, the bullock in order and everything is done in its right place and a right order and many of us in, have worked in business we know that there are things that must be done first and then there is that which follows afterwards and to change that order would completely destroy and it wouldn't result in anything done properly at all in anything that is built in, in roads, in buildings or anything it is the plan, the design, the drawings the checking, the ordering, the preparing of the ground the building from the foundation up in everything we're reminded there's things that must be done first, things that are more important than others, things that must be left and wait to uh, another time. And God is a God of order in that way. And in the kingdom of God, we have in the growth of it, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear, just like the farmer expects, he puts in the seed, and it grows in that order, in that gradual way. So it is also in the kingdom 
of God in the uh, resurrection. It is Christ, the first fruits, then they that are his at his coming. The Lord Jesus Christ is the first begotten from the dead. He is the firstborn and he is the head of the church of God. He is the king of the kingdom. And so in all that the Lord does, in the church of God, in providence and in our lives, God is a God not of confusion, but of order. And that is very much reflected in the directions to the churches and it is directed here in our seeking, in the concerns of the people of God, that they are to seek some things first and then to leave others and to let other things, as it were, go because there is a priority and there is an importance on things that must be attended to first. Under how the word finds us this morning. Are we trying to do things and we're doing them in the wrong order? We're not doing it in the order that God sets us to do in the word of God. Our priorities are not the same as his and we're seeking to do things in our own strength. We're seeking to order our own ways and leave God out of it or to just tack him on the end of it. But how is it with us, especially concerning our souls, concerning that which is eternal, those things that pass away, those things that belong to this world. May we think of that time when we shall yield our last breath. What shall be important then? What shall our assessment of our lives be then? What shall our thoughts be then? What have we had our priorities put on at that time? So our Lord is a God of order, a God of planning and of things that are done first and then there's that which follows. Even the psalmist, he said, he shall give grace and glory. Grace comes first. Glory comes next. Our Lord Jesus Christ, man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, that came first. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, that comes second. Through the cross comes the crown, through this world, being born into this world first and then born again of the Spirit of God and then to enter into a heavenly kingdom. God is a God of order and may that be reflected in our lives as being a follower of him and learning of him. So I want to look then secondly at the kingdom of God and how it is that we are to seek it. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added 
unto you. Really, we could summarise the kingdom of God as being in two parts. One, it is the church of God in these gospel days here below, made up of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. The second part of that kingdom of God is that kingdom which is above in heaven. It is one people, it is one kingdom, they have one king, the Lord Jesus Christ is over them all, but while the earth remains, it is in these two parts. The hymn writer says, more happy but not more secure, the glorified saints above. And it sets forth the security of God's people, even here below, in that same kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is emphasised when our Lord speaks of John the Baptist and he says that the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. And of course John the Baptist, he was the last of the prophets. John Baptist died before the Lord Jesus Christ suffered at Calvary, before he rose again, before the Holy Spirit was given, and before uh, the gospel of the kingdom was fully preached. And so there's an emphasis pointing, uh, separating between what had been pointed to by the Old Testament prophets, they pointed to Christ, they spoke of Christ, it was the gospel in their day, it was the ceremonial law and the promises which were in Christ. But when we come to the time of our Lord and the time of his sufferings and the time of his resurrection, and especially the time of the giving of the Holy Spirit, then that is what is spoken of as the kingdom of God. When our Lord sent forth his disciples to preach, it was the kingdom of God that he told them that they were to preach. When they went to people that rejected that word, then they were to shake off the dust from off their feet, but to say unto them that they were to know surely that the kingdom of God had come nigh unto them. That is, it had been preached. The Gospel of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And it hath pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It is through that means and that way that men, women, children are brought into the kingdom of God. And how are they brought into it? They are brought into it by being born into it. Not naturally, but born again of the Spirit of God, quickened into spiritual life and they are then brought into that kingdom and the kingdom is spoken of by our Lord in another way the kingdom of God cometh not by observation for it is within you and so it is that which is formed in the heart by the Holy Ghost unseen by the world the disciples asked the Lord how how should it be that they should believe or that they should see him, but the world should not see him? 
And the Lord said, because the world cannot see the Holy Spirit, doesn't know the things of God at all, but ye see them, ye know them. And it is because of the work of God within. And so that kingdom of God is that which is formed in the heart by the Holy Ghost, whereby instead of Satan ruling, it is Christ that rules. He sets up his kingdom in the heart of a soul and he has the sway and the ruling there in the heart. Those that he has suffered, bled and died for on Calvary, they in their lifetime are brought out of nature's darkness and into his marvellous light. And that kingdom on earth is a kingdom of people that are born again. And they are a people that are known as gathering together in the church of God as a number. They that feared the Lord spake often one to another, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, so much the more as ye see the day approaching. And it is unto him that the gathering of the people shall be. And in his temple every one shall speak of his glory. And it is this that is the kingdom of God, where he rules and he has his way and his people are his servants and his people and his sheep and they follow after him. And so what is then the way that we are to seek this kingdom of God? Well, in this chapter, in the Matthew chapter 6, the Lord gives first a manner of praying in verse 9. After this manner, uh, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so in the first way, it is sought in the way, in the manner the Lord himself has bid. And that is in prayer. That we are to ask that his kingdom come. Some might say, well, this is making the there be almost heaven on earth that the whole world shall be converted unto the Lord. But as we said, our Lord said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation, it is within you. And it is a prayer that we should seek first to ask of the Lord that his kingdom might come and might come within us and that we might know it and that he might have the sway in our hearts and in our lives and that we be very clearly under his dominion and him as being our king. We think of the times in the Old Testament when there was the different kings over Judah and what a profound difference they made even over the people of God Who was in ascendancy? Who was the king? Who was the one that was making the laws? So we see the very great difference between the reigns of like Ahab, or Ahaz and Hezekiah, good king, Josiah, good king. Those 
kings that truly serve the Lord and their people with them. Thy kingdom come. We want them, the Lord rule in our heart, not self, not the world, not Satan, but the Lord rule in our hearts. And we are to, to seek that. And we just seek that by prayer. The other context that is here, our Lord is speaking to those that were seeking to lay up treasures upon earth. In verse 19, we have lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Well, we can't go up to heaven and, and like physically lay up treasure there and put it there like we would go up to a bedroom and put things away and in a bottom drawer or ready for some other time. We It's not in that way at all. But it is laying up treasures for ourselves in seeking the Lord and seeking his kingdom, seeking uh, his blessing and his presence and the things of God instead of these riches. How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. How the Lord so clearly says ye cannot serve God and mammon. The Lord does give his people things on this earth. We proved it. Our food and raiment and many things he has given us. But those are not to be in our hearts. Those are not to be in ascendance. We're not to seek them first. And we don't have to have great riches to, to do that. The Lord knows our heart. Years ago, when I, not long after I first uh, became a believer and I was paying off my own home over in Australia and I had in sight how I could be able to pay it off. And I sat down and I worked out how many months or how many years I would have putting away money to do it. And the Lord saw my heart was set on earthly things. It was set on achieving those things here below. And immediately I did that. Then the Lord started to touch things. I'd changed my car and I'd had to have warranty repairs, changed the speed of the speedo unknown to me and I had a run of speeding type fines and I couldn't work out why until I was able to prove it was actually the speedo that was wrong. But all my calculations, they all went. The Lord touched them all. And it is a comforting thing to realise that when the Lord sees our heart is set on things on earth, he touches those things. Now I say it in kindness. If the Lord is touching things in your life, then really think, have I got my heart in the right place? Am I looking at these things? And so the Lord is touching them. He's taking off my wheels. He's taking off these things and touching these things and making there to be no success, no profit, no help because you're going about them and not seeking me first, not seeking that kingdom which is within his kingdom. And so in the sense of the seeking, it is... 
seeking the Lord first and holding with a loose hand the world and the things of it. Verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. If we are seeking our Lord first, it will be that God sees that we are seeking him first. Not our own estimation. God sees it. And if in mercy we are his people and he sees that we are not, he will deal with us and touch those things. Also we have a willingness, need to be a willingness to part with those things that offend and grieve. In several of the Gospels our Lord speaks about cutting off hands and eye and plucking out right eyes, those things that offend, those things in our lives that are fighting against the Lord, bringing us into bondage, making us calmly minded, those things our flesh loves and yet deep in our hearts we know that to indulge them, to go along with them, we are doing damage to our souls. We are putting a stumbling block before ourselves. And so we are exhorted in this to be willing to take drastic measures that those things that are detrimental to our soul's eternal good are dealt with, are are parted from. We are to take up the cross and to follow our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. We are to seek unto the King of the Kingdom. How the Lord Jesus Christ is to be the first, the one thing needful for our souls. If you and I are seeking first the Kingdom of God, we will be seeking unto the Lord Jesus Christ. We think of the dying thief, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. The Lord has always ordered it that all in his kingdom have a first-hand experience of him. You know, it's not like the kingdom here in the UK now. You know, many of us, we probably never uh, see Uh, King Charles actually in the flesh or shake his hand or speak to him and yet he is the king but there's many of his subjects that it's very indirect but with the Lord he knows his people I know my sheep they are known of mine my sheep they hear my voice and they follow me and all the time it's The king is speaking to his subjects and he knows them and he governs them and he loves them. And so we are to be very mindful of the king, our king, Lord Jesus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. He will also be seeking his people. Have the beautiful account of uh, Ruth and brought out from Moab and she turned her back upon 
her own people, her own gods, and clave unto Naomi. And she says, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. Whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. She clave to Naomi, clave to the people of God. If we are seeking first the kingdom of God, then we will have that spirit as well. Like the apostles being let go, they went unto their own uh, company. You think of the kingdoms of the world uh, and those in, in Bible times. If someone was belonging to Judah, wouldn't they want to be in Judah and with their own people? Was it not a trial when they were carried away to another people? Thy people shall be my people. That is one aspect of the kingdom. It will be a seeking uh, to the people of God where they are and where the Lord is. We spoke before of the kingdom as being characterised by the preaching of the kingdom. That is what the apostles were commissioned to do. And when it wasn't received, then they shook their uh, dust off their feet, went somewhere else. But our desire should be that we should then hear the word and be where the word is preached and set forth. And that is inseparably joined to the kingdom of God, where the kingdom is preached, where the gospel is preached, the way of salvation is preached, where Christ is preached and him crucified is preached. This is the kingdom of God that we are to seek first. The word of God in our closets, in prayer, in the word of God, to be like dear Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing his word, not like Martha cumbered about with uh, much serving. See ye first the kingdom of God. May we truly be able to consider how, how we are seeking it and do we seek it first? Is it a priority in how we seek? And the other aspect as well is not only the kingdom of God here below, but it is that above. Running the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. The Thessalonian church, when they were converted, it was not only to be followers of the Lord and of us, the apostles, but it was to wait for the Lord from heaven. And so the church of God, the New Testament church, the kingdom on earth, their spirit, when the spirit is with them, they say, the spirit and the bride say, come, even so come, Lord Jesus. And there is that desire for that last, that great kingdom, the heavenly kingdom to come, the kingdom to be delivered up unto the Father, behold I and the children whom thou hast given me. And that will be the desire as well. The apostle says to the 
Corinthians, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we have all men most miserable. If we are only following for the loaves and the fishes, then we are most miserable. But if we are seeking that bread which endureth to eternal life, then we are a blessed soul and we are to seek that first. I don't know about you, but I need such an exhortation as this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So may we know what the kingdom of God is and may we know what it is to seek it and that we search our hearts whether we seek it first or whether it comes way down on our priority, on our use of time, our use of money, our use of affections, our association with those of the kingdom. Where does it come? In what priority? What order? Made simple here. Not second, not third, but first. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, in the third place, the question is then, what is God's righteousness? And how are we to seek that? In one sense, it is very closely bound up with the kingdom of God. But in another, it comes very, very personal. Seek ye and his righteousness. There's a joining of a people with a righteousness which is not theirs, it is his. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the Romans, and he desired that they might be saved, his own people for Israel might be saved, but he said that they were ignorant of God's righteousness. This righteousness in our text, they were ignorant of. And not only not seeking it, they didn't, didn't even know about it. And he says they were going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. They were seeking by their own works, by their own efforts, by their own good deeds to make themselves pleasing and acceptable unto God. And in, when we are doing that, when we are seeking under the law and under the old covenant to make ourselves acceptable to God, we are not seeking his righteousness at all. If we are to go back one chapter to Matthew chapter 5, we have the blessing pronounced upon those in verse 6, of those that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. They are seeking it. They hunger. They thirst after it. Why do they? Because they feel their own unrighteousness. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, saith the word of God. 
our good deeds, our best deeds, they all are stained and dyed with sin. We're not to expect any good. We're not to seek any good there. We're to seek his righteousness and seek that first. Naturally, many of us, and sometimes we might say, well, it gets very complicated. The Word of God says that we should walk in ways of righteousness, we should do good, we should, not, we should repent of our evil, we should turn from our evil ways. Shouldn't we do that? Yes, we should. But with the right motive. As a motive for love to the Lord and a hatred to sin, and a desire to do that which is pleasing in his sight, that is why we should do those things. But not to obtain heaven, not to purchase heaven, not to purchase God's favour, that righteousness that comes by our works, that shall never merit heaven. The righteousness that we are to seek is that which was wrought out by our Lord, that which is perfect, his life, his perfect life of obedience to his Father, a fulfilling of the law, that is what shall clothe us, that is what shall be given to a believer, that is what we shall stand unashamed before God at the last day. And dear friends, if we are all the time troubled, troubled that we shall not inherit heaven, we shall not be part of the kingdom, and that we must make more effort and more attention to our own works and with the thoughts that we shall make ourselves acceptable to God, then we are not seeking first his righteousness, but seeking ours. And then just his name cast into the scale if we don't quite make up. It's when we see ourselves so black, so sinful, so vile, so unfit, and then our only plea is the righteousness of Christ. May we be clear it is the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ shed upon Calvary that puts away sin. But it is the righteousness of Christ that fits us for heaven and enables us to stand uh, without shame before the throne. It is the wedding garment. It doesn't hide sin. That is blotted out by his precious blood. But... It does make that we stand not naked before the throne, but we are clothed upon. It is like our Lord shedding the blood of the beast to clothe Adam and Eve. The blood is like his blood that was shed. The skins are like his righteousness. Is like the robe that they cast lots on at his crucifixion. Let us not rend it, but let us cast lots. The hymn writer takes it up without a seam. This garment's woe, bequeathed in everlasting love, uh, ordained to be from 
all time, it ain't to be a royal robe to cover thee. And he is to seek that, to be very clear in our own hearts. Again, is the words of the hymn writer, in Christ's obedience clothed, and wash me in his blood, so shall I lift my head with joy among the sons of God. Is to have a very clear view of what our standing is before God and our place in his kingdom is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but that which the Lord has done. And when we seek that first, then the Lord deals with our sins. He deals and he gives us repentance. He gives us forgiveness of sin. John takes it up in his first epistle. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is a seeking first of the gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. Is laying aside every weight, every idea, of salvation out of Christ and seeking him first and seeking him and his kingdom as being the priority and the order for our souls. That if we have him and if we are clothed in his righteousness, then it is well with us while life endure and well when called to die and be that which holds us stable instead of tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, instead of one moment saved and the next minute lost, one moment thinking, well, we're not too bad before God, it's well with us now, and another, well, now we've slipped and fallen, now we're not the people of God, is to be found in him, not having our own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is of God by faith, that we view our standing by faith in Christ. And this then is to be sought first. These are things that are not of indifference or unimportant, but are not only just to be sought for, but to be sought for first that we might truly know that we have found these things that the Lord bids us to seek after. But seek ye first. How will we know that we've found them? In one sense, we're always seekers, but to be found in Christ, not having our own righteousness, that will give such peace. It gives such quietness it gives a clear knowledge and an understanding of our position in Christ. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. That the love of God be shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. That we have joy and peace in believing. These are the things that accompany a true knowledge and possession and understanding of the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The Lord add his blessing. Amen.